Helping CEOs and business leaders discover the energy to perform exceptional brilliance and positively impact the lives of those around them. Be inspired by world leaders and next level gurus. This is the Active CEO Podcast, where the ordinary don't belong. And now your hosts, Craig Johns and Ben Gathercole. On this episode of the Active CEO Podcast, we have the pleasure of speaking with Indirin Parashi, who is the founder, director, and CEO of RentCorp Forklifts. Indigrin immigrated to Australia in 1987 and has been building his business interest in his home now town of Sydney. Along with his business interest, Indigrin is also a dedicated and very successful Porsche Cup competitor, which is one of the most competitive one-make series in the world. With these incredible achievements, we thought active CEO, where the ordinary don't belong, needed to spend some time learning from this humble and well-respected man. Indigrin, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Indra, and, um, thank you for spending time with us. And I know it's, uh, it's to fit something in like this is difficult. Um, but what I wanted to really start with is uh, there's a saying, a fortune favours the brave. And you were obviously very brave with your family in 1987 when you immigrated from South Africa uh, to Australia. Can you tell me a little bit more about how difficult that was and, and just some of that process? See, the process uh, of migration from South Africa was you know, pretty difficult coming to Australia. Uh, mainly re- the regula- regulatory uh, processes that we had to go through. And also having a, I think the toughest part was leaving everything behind, leaving a, leaving a very well-established lifestyle uh, and picking up, picking up, you know, and we were newly married. We had a daughter that was one year old. Picking all that up and coming to coming leaving all that and coming coming to Australia, and coming to coming to a land where it's totally it's totally unknown. We knew a few people here, but you're just coming to to a place that's totally unknown. So basically, you're coming coming and starting your life from scratch. It's it's starting back back to day one and moving up from there. What did you find the biggest challenge from a cultural perspective? Uh, the biggest challenge, I think, coming from South Africa was the family support. We didn't have that uh, that family net uh, net, and also the uh, fallback with having your mom, your dad, your sisters helping out, you know, helping out, helping out uh, psychologically, uh, helping out with the kids and things like that. And how? And, oh, sorry. Yeah. And how difficult was it to set up a business here? Um, you know, compared to being in South Africa, where you knew how everything worked. Uh, see, uh, see, yeah, it took it took a while because I knew initially that uh, we didn't we didn't want to because coming from South Africa, especially with the way the currency regulation is in South Africa, you could only bring a limited amount of uh, amount of currency out of, out of South Africa. Basically, we ended up we ended up arriving in Australia with uh, in nineteen eighty seven three thousand Australian dollars. That's where we started. Wow. So that was, that's what we had when we, when we arrived here. And a dream. And a dream, yeah, and a big dream, yeah. yeah. And, and now you were a, um, you're a qualified uh, engineer? Yeah, I, yeah I came in as a qualified engineer. Because my first, uh, straight out of uni, I worked for Toyota in South Africa. So I uh, did that and then I worked with my, my dad, dad for a while mm-hmm. in business. And when I migrated to Australia, my, uh, I, I, my first job was with Toyota because I, I used the connections from South Africa to obtain the position in here. So I worked as a 
design engineer for Toyota in, in Australia. And, and what was your business dream? Uh, see, I knew I wanted to go in business. That, that's, that was the focus. So, uh, and uh, I, my, my, work, my work with Toyota was such that it gave me the stepping stone for what I wanted to do. And I had to work for somebody in Australia so to get to know the... And that's, that's the only way you could do it, or probably the best way to do it, is work locally and start to know what the local culture, the, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. There's a lot of things that are very different to yeah. how Australians work to South Africans. Uh, similar, but there's a lot of differences, a lot of fine, fine uh, differences. So working for Toyota was really good because it gave me the background of uh, background and also experience meeting customers, meeting people, meeting, uh, being, being a design engineer. I, I did a lot of travel through Asia and Australia, so got to know a lot, of, a lot about the people, a lot about businesses, how they worked. And uh, so gradually from there, I, see the engineering part of it was was something that we did. You had you had to do kids out of uni, but knowing that it was not going to go, you know, uh, there was a limit where well, to where I could go with uh, with an engineering degree in, in Toyota. So uh, I started. I went back to back to uni to Sydney Uni, and uh, I did a bachelor of business in marketing and marketing in the marketing area. So that was part time. Uh, just. Saturdays, weekdays, and how how long did that take you? At your uh, three years. Yeah. So I did that did, did that three years, yeah. and I, I completed that. I completed that. But in the meantime, while I was doing that, Toyota was Toyota was good in the sense that they gave me moved me into the marketing side of the business, and which actually gave me the real exposure that I needed needed uh, from a business sense uh, to you know, as a stepping stone. And they knew all along that my 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 goal or dream was to was to start my own business. And back in those days, did you even know what sort of business that was going to be, or? Uh, yeah, I knew, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I knew, and I knew exactly, I was going to, my focus was on the materials handling side of it, and that's, that's, that's where my expertise is in materials handling. Right, and can you just explain that a little bit now for our audience, so? Oh, uh, material, materials, yeah. And yeah, materials handling is to do with uh, fork trucks. I would say uh, fork trucks in the general sense for people that don't know what materials handling is. Yep. Which is handling is anything that needs to be picked up and put down, picked up, picked up from the ground, put it up in the rack, bring it back in the ground, and and, and distribute to the customer. But to do that, there's a lot of mechanical equipment involved in it. So it encompasses a whole range of of stuff that needs to. It's not only just a forklift. And so you're starting to develop the business more into the robotics world, where we're starting to see things a lot more automated versus the actual physical forklift. That we're used to in the past. Yeah, in the last couple of years, uh, in the last couple of years, that it's had, it has gone down that way. More, more robotics, more automated picking. We started to we started to to work a lot with with Chinese manufacturers actually at the moment because they're more receptive to change, you know, rapid change than sure. Japanese or the European manufacturers. So we're actually manufacturing our own our own branded equipment uh, in China for specifically for. Robotic picking and automated picking. And, must, and that brand? It's, very, it's actually very, it's called Rencore. Rencore, yeah. And so that's your that's your brand here in Australia and obviously for your products overseas, Rencore. Yeah, Rencore will be the will be the brand for the, the products that we're manufacturing. But our our business, our core business is based on Hyundai and Toyota. It must be pretty exciting that you're seeing your industry evolve over time and for you you know it's not just all right we've got forklifts and we're just renting those out you're seeing progression in the industry to obviously through to the robotics and a changing way of people that people think that must be 
um, exciting for you to wake up every day and go, wow, we can change the way things are done. Yes, in, 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 uh, I think in any industry, in any, especially today, because uh, with the way IT is, or the, or the, the rapid change in IT, rapid change in, in which, is, which is something that everybody's finding difficult to, to work out is the, is the is young generation. Because historically, we can work out, work out what, you know, from, from historic uh, data, we can work out people's needs, people's uh, trends. But the, the young generation that we, we, we had a forum a couple of weeks ago on, on, you know, on trying to work out what the young generation wants, what they, where they're going, and what they're going to do. And nobody could come up with a, a proper constructive answer because they, they firstly, they're, having, you know, they, they're not getting married. You know, their the marriages are late, late in life. Their kids are coming late in life. Some, most of them, not having kids. The trends, the spending trends are different, uh, and, and there's no savings. Yeah. So it's money just rolling, ro- you know, rolling into it. And the thing that's the, probably the worrying part for all of us is uh, availability of credit. Yes. And you know, it's it's it, it's being curved at the moment, but. It's probably gone too far before it's, before the curve is starting to fall into place. So, yeah, uh, in, interesting insights there. Um, I, I'm interested in, in your current business. Can you describe to us a little bit more about Rent Corp, the number of locations that you're in, the number of employees that you have? What, how's your structure work, and, and how do you see all that working? Yeah, see, Rent Corp uh, currently has currently has 30, 30 full time full time employees, but we have a Whole, whole lot of contractors that work for us. We've got two fixed operations, one in Sydney, one in Melbourne, that uh, operate directly under, under the Renko banner. And we have uh, uh, other operations in Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth, and Darwin. So they work under the Hyundai banner. So this is, going, this is a little bit of background of Renko. Renko uh, operates under, under, under the Hyundai. We are, we are a Hyundai distributor. And we used to run Toyota for many, many years. Till Toyota decided to pull the well, not pull the pin, I would say decided to operate it under their own own banner. So we that's that's when in the seven I think in the seven years now we uh, here in the here in the franchise mm-hmm. yep. and that's sole franchise in Australia. Like no, no, we uh, we we we, didn't, we agree for for obvious reasons. We've taken we've only decided to go for New South Wales and Victoria as the sole uh, supplier in those two states. Mm-hmm. And uh, the rest of the rest of the country is done by distributors. Yeah. What do you think is your competitive advantage, or is that something you're not prepared oh, see, to give I, away? I, I can give you some. I'm probably not going to tell you everything. But <laughs> 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 so our competitive advantage is probably you know there's a couple of things, a couple of a couple of things we do which, which we do very differently to lots of the other companies, and it's it's something that. I think any business needs to, you know, needs, if, if you're starting a business, or even if you establish business, is to know what your competitors are doing. You know, you spend, you spend a lot of time, you, know, you can't spend all your time worrying about it, but you spend a fair bit of time. You have to invest time in knowing what your competitors are doing. And also you have to invest time in not trying to copy, but finding alternatives, finding, finding things that will be better and stuff that would match or better customers' expectations. Yeah. So and and the things to do that you have to focus on in-house training, you know, in-house training, empowering people, uh, uh, providing you know providing exceptionally good service, and 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 that's also the backup backup with it, 
things that we all, we do differently is financing. We, don't, we, are, we uh, innovate financing. So financing is a major part of our business. Because our business is, fork trucks, I would say, the fork trucks or the materials handling is probably the secondary part of our business. Our main part of our business is finance because it's the biggest part or core part of the business is finance. And you, you partner with a finance firm? And yeah, we do. do. And how do you, who's that and how do you, How's that relationship? That's over a long period of time. Yeah, we, we partner with uh, Zenith Finance. Uh, Richard Corder from Zenith Finance, he's been our finance, uh, or you could call a broker or innovator for the last 20, 21 and a half years. Uh, and the, part, the, the relationship, or I would say the provider of the major part of the finance provided is our relationship with Toyota, because Toyota Finance is our major provider. Mm. So they basically provide 99% of all our financing. So you're talking about your partnerships there, I suppose leading on from that, how would you describe your leadership style and and involving that collaboration? And you talked earlier a little bit about empowering people. Yeah, see, we, uh, in, in our business, we've, over, over years, it's evolved uh, over, you know, over the last 21 years, it's evolved where we empower people. So we, firstly, we have, to, we have to employ the right people, get the right people in, in place. And once you've got the right right person or right you know people for the job, you empower them and you give them you give them full authority on what they need to do. So there's no interference because they have to be able to do what they need to do properly. And and that's on, the only way to do that is to get the right people in the job. And we do that right, right from the guy that's cleaning the cleaning the pork truck right up to our uh, and our MD and our, and our finance people. So would it be quite a horizontal structure, or is it vertical? It's uh, it's it's there, there's probably a, probably a lot on a, on a horizontal plane. Uh, there'll be a lot on on a horizontal plane, but there are key people that are on on vertical vertical uh, levels, the different levels above that horizontal plane. And one of those catchphrases that we hear all the time is about um, leaders micromanaging their people. Um, obviously, by the sounds of this, you're certainly not in that mode of micromanaging. You're quite happy to let people go out and make their mistakes if that happens, or make their success. So, we, yeah, we, we allow people to do that, and we, we can we allow them to make mistakes. You know, we allow, we can we can see we can see the mistake a mile a mile away. So uh, we arrest it if it needs to be arrested, and but we allow people to make the mistakes and. By making by making the mistake, they they do learn and they you know it's it, they never make that mistake again. And uh, uh, also we have we have a, a, a thing called uh, we have a discussion forum at work. If someone has an issue and they need to find find a solution to it, you have to come back. We you have to come with three three solutions, three options. So we look at it, we look at the, we look at the three options. And we decide, okay, I know one, there could be all three could be all three could be uh, all, all three could work. One could be really good, one could be mediocre, one you know, average. And we and if we, if we have a look at the solutions, we say that go pick one and pick one and, and run with it. So a lot of times, I ask you know, uh, you know, are you are you going to give a give any, are you going to supply a supply? I said no, we're not going to give you a solution. Pick one and run with it. I said, and we tell them if. The three options that you put in there, if, if one of them was, you know, was totally out of the ballpark and, is, and it's or all three didn't going to work, yeah, we'll, we'll give you, we'll give you our, our opinion, our option. But we allow them to take that, op- that option or op- they, whatever option they've got and run with it completely, finish the project and return back. 
what then they'll ask, what's your option? We'll say, right, this is this is what we will this is how we would do it. And that's a formal process that you guys use yeah. in your operation. And do you have a name for that? Is that just something you developed at yeah, the time? Yeah, I, I mean yes, I developed over developed, over, over, developed, yeah. developed over years. Yeah. years and we, we we run it all the time and, and, and everybody and they, they they just do it automatically now. There's something that needs to be solved, you come back with three solutions. And and then our GM has, has been with me for Quite on 12, 30 years. So he's, he's empowered that really, really well. So they don't come back to me again. Really, really, I, I get involved in it. But he knows, he knows, he knows how we work and, and everybody knows how it works. And so they just, uh, they do it amongst themselves. That's wonderful. And so do you do anything else to help foster that innovation process? Sorry, say again? Do you, so using this, it's, it's you know, producing innovation with inside the the company. Yeah. Are there any other things that you do that help foster innovation? Oh, see, we do a lot of uh, in-house training. We do a lot of in-house training where it's 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 we bring you know it's, it's all groups. It's it's group discussion. And the thing at Rencorp is that it's open forum. There's no you're not going ever going to get knocked back or be victimized for a solution or an idea. Even it's even it's a crap idea. You know, if you come up with come up with it, we'll take it on board. We'll look at it. Because the thing is, when you got 30 people, 30, 30 people working there, you know, you got 60 eyes. Yeah. So, you know, and we, in Master and Malcolm's only four, you know, so we, you know, with, with the rest of them, they come up with, and it, it's amazing, of, amazing that the ideas that people come up. Sometimes it's the tiniest thing, but it's, it's that $1 that you saved, mm. uh, you know, that they, they brought up, you can save a dollar uh, on something. It just it just mounts up, you know. Over time, you could you could probably sell a million of those things, and then the one dollar ends up into a million dollars into your pocket, which you probably never would have had. So, and I'll put you on the spot. Can you recall any of those specific? No, oh, there's quite a few. Quite a few. <laughs> he doesn't want to give away his advantage. <laughs> <laughs> He's not letting on. <laughs> there's quite a quite, yeah. quite a, there's quite a few that. And, uh, and I would imagine that a process like that also empowers your organisation. Um, to buy in and um, to be part of the idea, so everybody's across it then, rather than just one person. Would you agree? Yeah, that's, that, that'll be that'll be correct. Yeah, and and the thing is that uh, we with with the with our our staff is that uh, everybody's part of the organisation. We don't have us and them. There's no us and them. Uh, up until very recently, uh, like you said, the, all the management where we had it on one horizontal plane. But uh, in the last last couple of years, we had to make a few changes with that to you know to to change our like our general office manager and had to be on a different level because when you when you start bringing new staff in, uh, they feel that they are they you know they are on the same plane as people that have been there fourteen years. Yep. So we had to make a few adjustments in in in, in that uh, to encompass it. Nice, you know, for you you you're the leader. You run a, a very empowered team. What sort of strategies do you put in place or habits that you do when you wake up in the morning to ensure that you're ready for your A game? Well, Tim, uh, this, I, this I tell everybody. Before they leave the office is to put five points down, five items that you have to jot down. Probably see some in my book also. Five items that you have that, that you're going to put down. And those five items has to be something that's going to change how we do business in, in the day. So it, it makes you think about during the day because you don't write in the last minute of the day. So you, you just you jot it down when something when you when it comes to your memory. So you put down five points before you leave, and I do the same thing. So it's really good reflection. 
and and growth every single day. Yeah. So we do that. We do we do five points and we discuss it. You know, we did and we did. It's it's an informal discussion on, on stuff, and it's amazing how you pick up on on little items that people think about. Or you know, shall we? Shall we? You know, like one of them is I'll, I'll tell you the customer's name is uh, Carnival Carnival Shipping. So this come this come across the desk, come across the desk a few times back and forth, and someone said, you know, we should we should probably approach them and off, offer them a solution because. From what we gathered and the conversations we've had with them, they've got a problem. They have an issue. They've got a problem. And but nobody's come. No other companies come back. Come back with the. It's one of our, it was, it was our competitors that are supplying the equipment. But so we we went in there and we uh, we offered them offered them uh, a you know we came up as as one of the items in, in that forum and we we discussed it and we said okay that the key person the right person to do this was actually myself and Mark our, our sales manager. So we should we should go and do the uh, go and approach Carnival and and offer a solution to them. So we did it. We took the, we took we took the, pro, the the idea and we ran we ran with it. We went from the start. You can get knocked back. Then. Sure, this get knocked back. So we went there and they were receptive because we came up with some ideas. We didn't give them everything because we don't want to take our ideas and go back to to our competitors. We said, oh, okay, this is this these are this is a synopsis of what we can do, and this is what." The benefits you will get out of, out of it, and uh, this is going back three years ago. So they're still our customer, and they've just resigned resigned the contract. So we supply all the materials handling for all the ships that come into Sydney. You know, all the passenger ships. Yeah. So that's just one of the you know, one of the ideas. So recently there were there were a couple of others that we worked on. But that's what I'm even going to Melbourne today. This this afternoon uh, is another solution that. Someone's brought up which we're working on. It, some of these things take, you know, it, it's 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 in infancy stages. It goes to incubation and, 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 and it does hatch down the way. So you talk about the, you know, being quite an informal where you discuss these points. So are you someone that will get up and walk around the office and just have informal discussions with the staff, or is it, or is there a specific time and place where they bring these ideas to you? We have a. Specific time. Usually, it's on a Friday afternoon. We all uh, that's probably lunchtime because uh, we've had this doing going for years. Lunchtime, uh, Rincorp provides lunch for all the staff on a Friday, so we all sit sit, sit together and we say that you know, we have a lunch lunch get together and we go through uh, you know discuss. So sometimes people will come up with with uh, you know absolutely fantastic ideas and some some will, and we are telling absolutely honest. You don't have to write bullshit if you can't come up with five ideas. You know, don't don't write something for the sake of writing. Yes. So just say, I, yeah, I, I I couldn't couldn't think of, of anything you know for 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 this week or so. And so the, this concept of the five ideas, where did you learn that? Like, what? Why did you bring that into your organisation? Oh, see, this came up when I was doing my uh, I, I did my postgraduate studies in 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 uh, marketing. Uh, it, it was one of the it, it actually does it was a very insignificant. Point that was brought up is I, I did my, uh, my marketing through Harvard, and it was a very insignificant point that brought up, and, it, and something that I picked up, and I said, no, this, that's a fantastic idea because you can spend five years in uni and pick up one, you sure. pick up one terrific idea, it's it's well worth it. So it was one idea, one item that I picked up while in in that. Uh, yeah, complexity can be the enemy. So finding something so simple yeah. is is very valuable, and I think a lot of companies and people don't that they're, they're trying to. They're reaching too far when it can just it's, be something it's right so simple right in front of you. Yeah, like I said, it's right in front of you. You don't have to. 
you don't have to uh, you know, spend hours and hours and go through all kind of meetings. Like in Bangkok, meetings are absolutely minimal. So we have one meeting on, on a Monday morning with our sales team. The sales team have a meeting, and I just get involved with that just to know what's going on in you know, the way we are, uh, where we are with budgets. What you know, we, are we going to meet up, meet year based numbers, you know, for the month or for the year. So I just get involved for 10, 15 minutes with that, and they just continue with their stuff. But we reduce our meetings to absolute minimum. You've got a lot of, you know, you're very passionate about what you do. So what do you do to keep yourself active and healthy uh, throughout the week and in the weekends? Oh, work-wise, it's fairly, fairly hectic. You know, there's, a, there's a lot happening from a CEO side of it, from a managing director side of it. There's a lot happening in the finance side of the business. Is like probably I like to say a fair bit of my day is taken up, or taken up with... Uh, probably structuring what we what finances we're going to need in the next week, the next month, the next 12 months. Also, all the deals that are, because it's, 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 it's a complex amount of deals that are happening at, at sure. any particular time. And it's not only the, the finance side, we've got equipment, equipment that's coming in from Korea, equipment coming from China, equipment coming from Japan, from, from, the, from Europe, US. So we've got all the stuff coming in at different times, different times, shipping, you know, some, some equipment takes 26 weeks, some takes 14 weeks, some 10 weeks. So all that has, has to come in and match a deal that's going to start in 30 days' time. So uh, that's, that's where, that's where probably I spend a fair bit of my time in, 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 in um, you know, we just make sure that all, all, overall all that, all that is going to happen and we're going to meet the customer's, customer's need. From a... Uh, from things that keep me, you know, keep me uh, active is that I do a lot of cycling. Yes. I do you know, probably two, two or three times a week if I can. And Up in the national park behind here? I do actually. I, I cycle from here to Cronulla, which is 25k return, or I do from here to Waterfall, which is about 40, 40 45 kilometer kilometers. And uh, looking at the weather outside, it's a, a wonderful spot to be oh, yeah, cycling. Oh, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And I do it really, uh, really early in the morning, so... I normally leave around in winter around six, in summer around five. And obviously, uh, your involvement with motorsport uh, is massive. Yourself and your son very successful over the years. It seems to me that it's very closely aligned with your day-to-day business. It is. It is. Uh, the reason I oh, probably I I like motorsport is the competitiveness. Competitiveness of it. It's probably aligned with exactly what we do at work. You know, at, at Rencorp. So. Both of them are very, very highly competitive, and I would say both are very uh, intense. So it's I, I, I compare both of them to a racehorse, you know, like a horse race, uh, the Melbourne Cup. The moment the gates open, it's flat out from there. There's no time to rest. There's no time to think about. Oh, okay, I'll get into the groove. So business is exactly the same, and we we in business and there's there's, a, there's a, it's pity that we didn't have this at work. Is that we have a big sign on in our boardroom? You know, as a business is a, is like a wall. Winning only matters. Yeah. So that's that's the motto that we we run by. And that, and that's interesting that you say that because you've also told us today that um, your staff, the relationship that you build with your people, is the most important thing. So there's some, I guess, a little bit, um, oh, um, not differences there, but. Um, that, that winning concept, but you also have to be conscious of, of keeping your people. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I, th- I think, see, any business, there's no business can operate 
without uh, without the people that you, you know, pe- the, the people and also the right people. The business is absolutely nothing without the staff. Yeah. <clears throat> so we like I play, you know, I played a probably major role in the early days, but I play a very small role, you know, in the current in the current structure. It's it's we've built it up to a point where it basically runs itself. Mm-hmm. It runs itself. The people run themselves. You don't have to physically. We don't micromanage anything. Nobody micromanages mm-hmm. any part of the business. So how do you hire the right people? Like this is oh, a massive problem in the industry. It's now. a tough one. It's a really really tough. It's the toughest part of of our, of our daily. Uh, uh, daily well, running of the of the operation is business. Like we got three people started today, and the business continues. It's 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 a it's just keep it's it's continually growing. So there's need for technical staff all the time. Like every month, we're probably going to need an additional person, an additional tech, technical person. So we put on three today. The we we and it's and also probably finding staff is. You have to find it in, in, find it in an innovative way, also, because you just can't advertise and get it because nobody applies. There's nothing. Whatever you get is crap, you know. That's, <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, what we've done, uh, our challenge is, tech, is is finding mechanics, you know, forklift mechanics. So what we've done in the last three years, we've decided to bring people because if we get people from within the industry, they come with a lot of baggage and skeletons, and it's really really tough to try and get them to change how we want them to to operate. So what we've done is in the last three years, we've decided to get people from outside the industry, totally outside the forklift industry, people from like NRMA, uh, the car industry, the truck industry, all that type of industry, people that want to make a change. Because the forklift industry is really good in the sense that it's, 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 it's not heavy work like trucks, but you're getting, you, your, the pay, pay is much better than, than working on trucks, and it's a much lighter industry. It's more... Uh, you know, you get to visit a lot of lot of different industries, a lot of different companies. You're not stuck in one particular job, nine to five. So it's a lot of movement. There's a lot of excitement. So what we've done in the last few years, we've got people from outside industry, bring them in, and we train them. We put them under our banner. We bring them in. When we said, okay, right, you work with our guys. We put them with, with our our team. You work with the team for three or four months, and then you go out on your own in your own van. And we found that the, to be the best thing, and it's been pretty successful for us can see that your innovation is, is coming through that diversification of your staff. So, and it seems like, I suppose, one of your biggest challenges is trying to find that new skill set that gives it diversity, as well as trying to fit them into the team. Because obviously, we know that if the team's working better together, then the whole organization is going to be stronger. Sure, yeah, absolutely. And, and so, onto your, modis- uh, your motorsport a little bit. What, when you get into that race car, what is it that keeps you focused and um, brings the passion out of you when you sit behind the wheel? Well, see, the, the thing about I, think, I know I've been asked the question many times, lots and lots of times, <laughs> because because being so heavily involved in business, and then all the people that we we race with, you know, they're all majority of them are in the same position as I am. So we all we know we know what it is like, and I've been asked you know asked many times about about uh, motorsport. The thing is. The, I, I don't play golf. I don't. Play, I, the only thing I do is that I, I, I go to the gym and I cycle and I swim. And my outlet, my golf outlet, is is the race car. Yeah. So, and what I like about, but the probably the best thing about getting behind the wheel of the motorcycle, you know, you're traveling at a couple hundred meters per second, right? So, and it's the easiest way to kill yourself yep. if you if you don't, if you if you're not focused. The thing is, when you get into a race car, you you can you can't. 
you can't think about business, you can't think about if this guy's paid his bill or who's not didn't come to work or you know any of those things. You're hundred percent focused on what you're doing in front of you. So it's uh, it's absolutely hundred percent. So you it, it, you totally forgot you, know, you totally forget everything and you just focus on what you're doing because you know what you're doing there is you have to be a hundred percent committed. So is that when you open the, the door handle or do you have to mentally prep yourself before you go into that you situation? Mentally, you, me, you mentally prep yourself before you go in. And what sort of strategies would you use to do that? Oh, see, before you, like, you know, for myself, I don't play music and all these funny things that people do. <laughs> I just, I just, I, I, before, before I get into a race car, I've got my race notes uh, on, on the track itself, all the things that I need to do at different parts of the track. I, I go through it, I read it, I absorb it, I mean, I memorize it. And, but, and I then, I, you know, I just close my eyes and I just focus on the track that I'm actually driving. And I'm actually, and I physically drive, I was mentally drive that track in my mind and then I put the helmet on. So that, now, I've been lucky enough to witness that. And it's obviously your engineering background coming out, but you're very methodical, very deliberate, uh, very professional in, in your actions. Um, and I can see that that sort of transcribes into the way that you drive the car, which once again is, is very professional, uh, very smooth. Um, really well thought out, thought out. It's, it's a full credit to what you do there. Yeah, I, I think, it, yeah, like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head there when it comes to the engineering side because engineering is a very focused science. It's very, uh, it's structured. So it's not, you know, like, like you, I, when you think about it, I say, I, I do things, I'll do things exactly in the same order, you know, do this, put the gloves on top, talk to the engineer, go to the notes, focus on it, race, you know, do the, do the, the track in your, in your, in your mind, then, Put the balaclava, the gloves, and and everything done in a sequence, in a such. And on the opposite side of the fence, when you see drivers or operations that are probably not doing it in that fashion, does that sort of wind you up a little bit? Oh, it it, it does. It does. It does, <laughs> it does wind you up. But then you, you you wonder what the hell they we're thinking, or what you know, what are you thinking? Because it's especially if somebody's in in the same race as my I am, I'm, I, I, I you you do get wound up because. Even you have to, you're racing against them, they're not prepared, uh, and you know they're doing about the same speed and they're doing around the same speed you're doing. And uh, if, you, if you don't have that focus, you know, lots of lots can happen, you know, accidents can happen. You it, everything happens so fast, it happens really, really fast. Well, you certainly well, you, you drive in one of the most competitive categories worldwide, um, and you go uh, very well in that category. What are your goals? Like, where do you want to take this? Is it, uh, it's, it's, that's a tough one. <laughs> so, see, in, uh, at, at, at my age, I'll, I'll probably be in the pro am, in the just in the professional amateur series, which is which is I'm running at the moment. And I want to probably race as many years as I can because I'm 58 now. So I'm trying to race as many years as I, as I can. Be really competitive. That is the that is the hard part is to be really competitive. I don't know when. Uh, I'll stop. Uh, I'm sure uh, the day will come when I know I'll have to. Yeah. I'll have to stop. I don't want to stop, you know, after an accident or something like that. But I know before I get to that part when I said, "Right, yeah, you know, you 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 can't concentrate. You, the body, it's it's very demanding on the body. Racing yeah. is very demanding. I think racing as well as being uh, being a CEO is very demanding mentally, yeah. physically, uh, on the body. And I spend a lot of time walking about. I don't sit in the office. I, you know. The least of my time is actually sitting in the office. I spend a lot of time with people, walking around, you know, talking to people, seeing what's happening, and and the racing is just as just is just as focused or intense as being at work. So yeah. you'll know, I'll know when 
probably I'll know someday when okay right I have to, I have to jump off the you know get get out of this get out of the sea. I won't get out of racing completely. Yep. I'll probably get out of ultra. This is this is ultra competitive. I'll get out of ultra competitive racing and I'll probably do some other type of racing, a little more relaxed. Yeah, yeah. So we all know that smart people have great answers, but the best people have great questions. So our first question we'd like we, we like to ask people three questions at the end. So the first one is, when was the last time you did something for the first time? Um, think about that. I would say May. May, uh, in, in May. Yeah. And what did you do in May? Oh, I did something for the first time. I just, just, we just decided to jump on the plane and go to, uh, to France, yeah? Yeah, wow. <laughs> With the whole family or? No, no, just my summer wife. It's a nice romantic getaway. Yeah, yeah, we did because we had, we spent such a tough year, you know, uh, in in the last tw- in the last twelve months. So, and it's been a very intense intense year with growth and and a whole lot of other things because we're also constructing the, 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 the uh, we're building a, it's, it's a new construction going on at the moment with the expansion our expansion program. So we decided that we'll uh, well in May we'll just. Jump on the plane and off, off we went. We went to into Europe. Fantastic. Uh, well, so and, it, and it coincided really well with her birthday because it was oh, the month of her birthday. Some rounding points. Paris for her birthday, so it worked out really well. Uh, so I'd like to to ask, um, <coughs> what is one thing that you do to be an active CEO? Someone that's really involved with everything you do. And I think you've given us a few hints along there. Yeah, uh, you're non-negotiable. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one, 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 one of the points one of the probably key points there I would say is, is uh, non, non-negotiable and uh, probably the, probably a few things I would say but probably Look, it really resonated with me just then when you said that you, you're always up you're always walking around you're always engaging with your people yeah so to me that's a massive uh, message and, and positive yeah no, they, 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 they definitely is definitely is uh, I, I wouldn't say non-negotiable I think I'm very negotiable <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll probably put it, put it, put it very bluntly. Uh, my 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 license plate on my car says it all. It's my license license plate says my way. My way. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. non-negotiable. <laughs> um, who's had the greatest impact on your career and why? Uh, I would say the greatest impact on my career was my wife. And uh, she's come from a very scientific uh, background and very methodical. Uh, and I would uh, probably put it, you know, put it, put it in another way. I'll put it in a very layman's terms. I was like a free range, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's probably probably focused, you know, uh, put all my focuses into into a uh, uh, into into blinkers. Yeah. So you can channel, channel, it, yeah, channel, channel the energy yeah, channel, where you need to go. Channel, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today, Indiran. Uh, we really appreciate the insights that you have given us into your company, Rink Corp, um, that passion you have for winning and that desire to really empower people to make those decisions and push for innovation and try and drive the industry forward. It's, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. In our Active CEO Quick Fix, I'd really want to talk about the factor, uh, the way that you schedule your training time or your wellness. 
um, into your week and not being overwhelmed with what you think you have to do. It's really important, you know, especially if you have a secretary or you or your staff have access to your calendar, they'll try and put in a meeting or give you a call when you've got a free space. Now, you obviously don't want to, you don't, you want to make sure that you get to do that piece of exercise or that active wellness aspect part of your day. So it can be really important just to schedule it in so you don't miss out on it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's critical to understand too that you don't need hours upon hours to do this. Um, if you're on a tight schedule and, and a little bit of maintenance for your wellness, a 20 or a 30 minute break uh, where you can walk or run or just get out is really important to schedule in. Yeah, quite often we'll see athletes that have got a, or, or people that have like a one hour session scheduled and they go, oh, I've only got 40 minutes left before I have to go out to get ready for dinner. And so they blow it off rather than just going, you know what, I'll just do 30 minutes and, and maybe increasing the intensity a little bit. Yeah. And, and I'm certainly a big believer in a little bit all the time is better than just waiting, waiting, waiting to try and do the big bit a little bit at the time. And, and look, you may even want to utilize the power nap as well, scheduling in a power nap. You don't need to block it out and say it's a power nap in your schedule, but you might go, that's your time because just the five minutes of shut-eye. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's that unmindfulness and um, Again, a bit of yoga, a bit of breathing, things like that really helps steady, steady the ship, so to speak. And we're seeing different people use that at the beginning of the day. So they reset from the day before and they start the day in a really good headspace. Some use it midway through the day. And we've seen other people also use it before they go home to their family. They want to be able to release the tension or the stress or the thoughts that they have from their day before they leave the office and head into that family life or the other, the other social life they have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I certainly know from my perspective that scheduling my major part of the exercise in the morning is critical for the way I perform, but you need to understand how you actually perform and where it's best scheduled for the day for yourself. Ben, it was a real pleasure today to, to interview Indiran and speak with him about his amazing leadership style unbelievable and just that passion that he has and the thing that really got me was he's so giving and so um, driven for new people to come in his organization and some of those lessons that he gave us were really critical what did you think of those oh the real diversity you know he was looking to pull people from different industries bring them in and sort of give it a different creative and thinking space to the organization so you know we talked a little bit about robotics in that forklift industry or the lifting and maneuvering industry and what they're trying to achieve there. One thing that really was a big take home for me was around that if someone had an idea, they needed to bring three ideas to the table. So there were three options and all from different angles so that people could look at it from a different perspective and then understand what was actually most beneficial for the organization. It was, it was a really important mechanism because it was really allowing any staff member to have any idea. So there was no dumb ideas, so to speak, but you needed to justify your ideas. And it gave permission to bring all those to the table and thrash through them, so to speak, and then have the idea fit best for the organization. And you also talked about when people have ideas to also write down ideas at the end of each day, you know, what went well, what didn't work well, and put five 
you know, five notes. Obviously, if they didn't have good idea, uh, didn't yeah, have that, anything useful, not to put it down. That was the critical one. That's what I thought was really good. And then to bring that together as a combined meeting, at, I think he talked about at the end of each week on a Friday, and to discuss that as a team. I, I think that was really important because one, it gives a reflection time for each staff member, but two, it makes them think a little bit about it before they bring it up with the rest of the team. Yeah. Um, I, full credit to their organisation and, and you can obviously tell why they're successful and the passion behind it and that just flows into his driving and, and the things that he does in motorsport which once again it just exudes passion and, and absolute belief in doing I think we could have talked for hours yeah. around his Porsche driving and you know his insight into what he does in that preparation time before he gets in the car I mean yeah. obviously it's Meticulous. a life or death yep situation where you are right on the limit the whole time and his mental preparation was amazing yeah absolutely and i've been lucky enough to actually see him in that environment and, and that preparation is meticulous the professionalism from from a, a driver that's not his job um second to none really really impressive to see and you can see that um that goes through his entire work career and you can see that passion and, and that understanding and that whole preparation for the Porsche also flow into his work situation. I think it provided a really good balance for him where he was learning good aspects in the business that would help him when he's driving and vice versa. And that was, you know, he, he, he just was excited about everything. Like he was very passionate. He loves his company, he loves the people he works with and he loves um, the clients he gets to provide wonderful solutions for. And, and the other thing through talking with him is, he wasn't afraid to step outside of the normal. Uh, that example that he used when they went to the carnival shipping, um, they they took ideas and they weren't um, afraid to put that on the table that the idea might be stolen or not used by them. He was quite progressive in that way and it was, it was a real credit to how they operate as an organisation. I think that's important for any organisation or company. You've got to be continually pushing the boundaries. You've got to be seeking new ways to do things more efficient, more effectively, and get that a competitive advantage over your yeah. industry. You know, what's a good point to make here, Craig, is that it's important not to worry about losing that idea. You, you, if you put those good ideas out there and you, you frame them correctly, you stand a good chance of that idea winning, and you shouldn't worry about losing it to somebody else. Yeah, so Ben, another fantastic episode. It was an absolute pleasure to interview Indra and we got the pleasure of being in his house and with a wonderful view and, and setting and something he was very proud of. Well, it's certainly, he's a man that, that you can put that, that um, tag of where the ordinary don't belong. You know, he's, he's living that daily. And we know we've got amazing listeners on the podcast who who do do things different every day, aren't the ordinary people. So we, we thank you for listening to the show. This is Active CEO, where the ordinary don't belong. Join the Active CEO movement by visiting www.nrgtoperform.com. That's nrg2perform.com. Share this podcast on LinkedIn and be sure to tag in NRG to Perform. Leave a review on iTunes. Drop us a line with your feedback and questions and connect with us on the NRG to Perform Facebook and Instagram pages. Be sure to check out the next Active CEO podcast where the ordinary don't belong.